Take your Bibles tonight and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're not going to be real long tonight. Um, I just want to give you uh, what I talked about last week, what I mentioned last week that we were going to talk about tonight, and that is uh, the relationship between modesty and lust. And to kind of go back and review, when, when Scripture references clothing, when we see that in the Bible, it does so in one of four ways. And one of those ways is the moral use, and that is to cover up the body. And we talked about that last week. That's uh, that, that is illustrated directly in the first reference to clothing in the Bible when God clothed Adam and Eve. And um, uh, obviously they tried to do it themselves, but God said that's not enough. He gave, them, he gave them coats, skins to cover themselves with. And so last week we looked at this a little bit more closely and discussed that principle of modesty. And the short definition of modesty in this context is to be covered. The idea behind that as it relates to women in particular is a long flowing garment. That's what the Bible talks about. Um, and, and that's what we talked about last week. The opposite of modesty is immodesty, and uh, that's nakedness. It's insufficient covering. It's, it's an emphasized form, and those are things that God is not pleased with. It's important, I think, to point out that modesty is a principle, really, that applies both to men and to women, right? Um, there, the, we looked at a lot of these different verses, and granted, they're in the Old Testament, it, but, it, but the principle is still there. Um, again, we see this in the very first reference in the Bible to clothing in the story of Adam and Eve, right? Why did God clothe Adam, too, if it didn't matter what he, what he wore, right? It does matter, and, and so there, there is that modesty and immodesty for men and women. And obviously, then there's purity for both men and women, purity in action, purity in thought. But, I, but I, there's something very interesting in the Bible, and uh, we're not going to turn over to the First Timothy chapter 9. We spent a lot of time in there last week, but the commands and the instructions that are related to modesty... Uh, are very clearly directed toward women. And you see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. It's, it's interesting that the commands that are related to modesty are, are directed at women, but we also see then the commands and the instructions that are related to sexual lust are clearly directed toward men. And we see that in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already... Uh, has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And that's, I mean, that, that's obviously directed right toward the men, right? Uh, I'm not going to have you turn. There's a lot of passages that talk about it, especially in Proverbs. But in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 25, it says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, right? So that's clearly directed at men, which is it's very interesting how that happens. So God warns women about modesty, and he warns the men about lust. Either, obviously, can, uh, of course, can sin in either way. A man can be immodest. A woman could have lust I, I, as well. But the burden of responsibility is primarily placed in that order in the Word of God. Women should be modest. Men should refrain from lust. So with that kind of by way of a little bit of an explanation of, of this main thought, the relationship between modesty and lust, I want to give you uh, four statements about the, the application of that. How does that play out then because we see these different things? First of all, we, we are each responsible for our own sin. We're each responsible for our own sin. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 15. I don't have the right to blame somebody else for my sin, even if my sin was instigated as a reaction to their sin. Right? If somebody abuses me and I respond with bitterness, and I say abuses, somebody takes advantage of me or does something against me, and I respond with bitterness, I am the one that's in the wrong. Now, obviously, what they did was wrong as well, but my response was wrong, and that bitterness, I'm responsible for my own sin. And I've said it before, you cannot control somebody's actions, 
but you can control your reaction to their actions. You can control your response to their actions. And essentially, your response is your responsibility. Another person's wrong action didn't cause your sin, but their wrong actions revealed your sin. Uh, a lot of people find that they have an anger problem, right? I, I, I try to control it. I'm far better about it than I used to be, but, but that's something that sometimes I have a problem with, right? Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. If you sling grievous words at me, I may respond with anger in my heart, but I can't blame you for that. Right? That's my responsibility. The anger that I have towards somebody because they said something grievous toward me, I don't have the right to respond with anger. Anger is wrong, and so that anger then is my responsibility. What they did, maybe you could say caused it, but it, it didn't really cause it. It just revealed what was already in my heart. My anger is my own fault. It's my own responsibility. Turn back over to Matthew chapter 18. Because what did Jesus tell Peter was his responsibility when, when somebody sinned against him? Right? Well, forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Not one time does Jesus say, well, it's okay in that situation to respond with anger or to respond with bitterness or to respond with whatever. Right? Every single time. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21 then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? If they come and do something, shall I, is seven times enough? Well, well, Jesus said unto him, I say unto you, I, I, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Well, seven is a whole lot different than 490, isn't it? But I mean, how many times is somebody, I mean, has anybody ever sinned against you 490 times? Probably not, right? But every single one of those times, our responsibility is not to respond in anger or to respond in bitterness or to respond in kind, but to respond with forgiveness. I cannot respond to your sin with, my, with sin of my own and blame you for it. My sin is my fault. Your sin is your fault. And I think the point directly applies to modesty and lust, does it not? If a woman dresses in modesty and I respond with lust in my heart, who's at fault? Right? She can't blame me for not being able to handle a little skin, and I can't blame her for exposing that skin. We are all responsible before God. But that brings us to the second point. <clears throat> and turn over to Proverbs chapter 23. Secondly, is this. I do not have the right to say that since his response is his responsibility, I have no responsibility for his response. And if you need to, to, to see that written out, you can look at it written out, and it'll make a little bit more sense to you, hopefully. I know it sounds, it, it sounds like it's going in circles. Really, it's not. But, but you might say, wait, you just said that his, he is responsible for his own actions. And that's true. I did say that, and he is responsible for that. But I believe I should put the weight on myself on either side of that transaction, right? If I cause somebody to sin, I have some responsibility in that. If I sin because somebody did something, I have responsibility in that. In other words, uh, if, if, if a, a woman is immodestly dressed and that provoked me to lust, I should bear that responsibility. But, for example, if my grievous words stir you to anger, then I should bear some of the responsibility for my grievous words. I should own some of that. I bear some of that culpability or some of that guilt. I believe the same is true when it comes to immodesty. Because at the, at, at the very best, it's unkind, and at worst, I think it's sinful for me to take an action that I know is going to cause a struggle in somebody else. For me to take an action that I know is going to very possibly cause somebody else to sin, right? Uh, kids are really good at this. 
right? Especially uh, siblings. They know what buttons to push to make somebody get angry, right? They know exactly what to say. I mean, even, even Craig still knows how to do that to Kevin today, but I'm good at it with Brian too, right? We know how to push the right buttons, and we're joking around, obviously, especially as you get older, but kids do it a lot of times on purpose, right? They know what to say to get you mad, and they're going to say it on purpose just to make you get mad and to get a reaction out of you, right? And there is some level of responsibility on that kid's part for doing that, knowing that it's going to cause that sibling to to blow up in anger, right? Was the anger wrong? Yes, it was. Is that the person's fault who said the grievous words? Not necessarily. It's his fault because he's responsible for the anger, but there is some culpability in that. There is some guilt in that because of the things that he said and did that were going to cause somebody else to sin or do something that was wrong. And so for me to do something that could cause somebody else to sin or to struggle with that sin um, is, is... is very is sinful on my own in my own right. Leviticus chapter nineteen and verse number fourteen says this: Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt fear thy God. Now, I want to look at a couple examples in the Bible because I think this will uh, help. Uh, maybe not clear it up, but but give us a little bit more clarity with this thing. We find a few verses in the Bible that seem to to explicitly say that the way a woman dresses has an effect on a man's lustful transgression. And we see that in Proverbs chapter 23, verse number 27. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. I think that one of the applications to this, uh, you know, to these verses is, is there's an increased number of men who sinned who would not have sinned had this woman not been there lying in wait to try to, to get them to, uh, uh, to sin in that way uh, because of the actions of this, of this woman in these verses. And it says that at the very end, and, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Those men have to give an account for their own actions, right? They didn't have to fall prey to that. Like we talked about this morning, God will give you a way to escape the temptation and everything else. So they are responsible for their own actions, but that doesn't make the woman innocent in her actions. Turn over to Revelation chapter 2, because we see another example. We see this played out in real life in the case of Balaam and Balak. Balak was the king, and Balaam taught him how to send his girls to the Jewish boys to seduce them away from Jehovah. Was, Was each Jewish man still responsible for his sin? Yes. He was he he allowed himself to be seduced and pulled away from Jehovah. But were Balaam and Balak innocent in that? Not even close. We see this in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 14. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So Balaam and Balak... Now, obviously, the Jewish men that sinned and fell into that lustful sin because of what they did, they were responsible for that. But Balaam and Balak also had responsibility in that as well. Another example, and we won't even take the time to turn over there, but it's one that you're very familiar with, is the story of David and Bathsheba, right? Um, uh, He should not have lusted, right? But she also should not have been immodest. He couldn't blame her for his sin, He's the one that, that fell to that, and obviously he responded in Psalm 51 with, you know, 
all, all of the uh, uh, begging for forgiveness and, and asking God to make him clean and all of those things, but she still bears some culpability spiritually. And so we say then, after, uh, uh, after looking at those examples, that in, an immodestly dressed woman, I think, is like a, a cigarette at a gas pump, right? Or, or maybe a match at a gas pump. It's not the cigarette that does the exploding. The explosion comes as a result of the uh, inherent instability of the gasoline that's spilled on the ground or whatever else. But whoever lit it is foolish, right? At the very least, it's, it's foolish. Well, he should control himself. You hear that exact, all the time. And I agree with that. Amen, I say to that. Uh, a man should control himself. He should walk in the spirit. And, and if he's walking in the spirit, he's not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And, and you should not run around half clothed or wearing clothing that would incite that lust in a man. Which brings us then to the third point. Number three, in the areas of modesty and lust, each of us bears responsibility. And really, that's kind of a summary of the first two points. Um, as a man, I'm responsible to keep my thought life pure. And a woman is responsible to dress modestly. And I think, sadly, what we're seeing in American Christianity is an increasing rejection of that. Um, in 2007, which, you know, it doesn't seem like all that long ago, it was 15 years ago already, though, there was a, a couple, it was, an, it, was a, it was a blog site, a Christian blog site that was run by two brothers, and they got really popular, they wrote a bunch of books and things like that, and, and um, it, the website is still up, you can still go and look at it and whatever else, but um, it was very, very famous back in the day, I, I, I guess you could say, but 150 questions were asked, they did a survey. And um, I, I remember when this survey came out, I mean, it was, you know, I, I, I remember briefly looking at it, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but um, <clears throat> they asked 150 questions to 1,600 different men, and um, I, I say men, it was, it was really more guys, they were teenagers when they started this blog, and then they, get, they got into college and things like that, so they were young men, very young men that were running this blog, and they, they did this uh, survey, uh, 1,600 guys responded to the survey. There was 150 questions on there. And the response is, I mean, there was just a lot of different questions, but uh, detailed discussions about what provokes a man to lust. I mean, all kinds of different things. The basic idea was to help women, and, and it was for ladies to go back and read through some of these responses and understand how much of a problem this is for men and to understand how specific actions and how specific clothing choices on their part contributed to that problem for men. It was there to be a help, um, but that survey is, is nowhere to be found. You, you can still find links to that survey. It ends in a dead page. It says page not found on there anymore when you go and look at it. So where did it go? I think, honestly, the Christian community of women in their orbit responded with horror, right? How can you say that, that a woman has responsibility? How, she can wear whatever she wants to wear, and she can, you know, she can do whatever she wants to do. It's the man's responsibility. And, 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 you know, they, they basically said that so loudly that eventually these young men took that, that survey completely down from their website. And, you know, it's, it's a problem in, in evangelical Christianity, if you will. Go to any evangelical university today and, and try to discuss, and you're going to be quickly educated that, uh, no, it's not the women's responsibility. She's allowed to dress and do whatever she wants to do. It's the man's responsibility. But hold on a minute. Is lust a man's problem? Biblically, Yes. It is. And practically, yes, it is. Is he completely responsible to deal with that lust? Yes, he is responsible to do that. Does he have any right to blame a woman who is dressed immodestly in his presence? No, he does not, because we are all responsible before God. But does that mean that the woman in the family of God 
has no responsibility in this area, especially when it comes to their brothers in Christ? Of course not. By the way, let me also add that, that the idea of a woman's responsibility of modesty just does not just apply to curbing the lust of the men around her. It's also her responsibility to maintain a godly testimony before the lost, right? Well, and as long as I'm at church, then I'll dress modestly so I don't cause one of my brothers to sin, but I'll dress however I want to when I go out into, the, into society and they can deal with that, right? No, we, we have a responsibility to maintain a godly testimony before the lost. And, you know, we might argue amongst ourselves about what modest is, right? Uh, there's, that's, a, that's a question, and we tried to discuss some of that last week, but that's a question of, uh, you know, a lot, of different, a lot of different ideas of what modesty is. But the world knows, right? Uh, they, and so many times the world declares what carnal is, and Christians deny it. Just go to any clothing store today, and you'll see what, what carnal is, right? And, uh, and they'll let you know what carnal is. And so many times Christians, Christians try to pretend that that's not the case. Here's the last thing. And, and like I said, we're not going to be long tonight. We're almost done. But the last thing is this. I must own my responsibility. I must own my responsibility. If I'm a man, I cannot blame the woman that's dressed immodestly. If I'm a woman, I'm not a woman, but if I was a woman, right, um, then I cannot say it's a man's issue. For men, I, I have to learn to control my eyes. I have the responsibility for, before God to keep myself pure, to stay away from lust, right? And if somebody is dressed immodestly, then my response is not to say, well, that's her fault. She shouldn't be dressed that way. My response is to go in the opposite direction, right? My response is to, to have some plan in place that will help me to stay pure, right? That's my responsibility. And, and for ladies, then, I can't say that it's only a man's issue. Ladies must own their responsibility in dressing and also, by the way, in speaking in a way that will not incite that lust in a man. And that's the, that's the least that I can do for my Christian brothers if I'm a lady. And it's the least I can do to help win a lost world to Jesus Christ. Honestly, <clears throat> getting this wrong has led to a lot of the women's liberation movement that we, that we see today. Um, it has a lot, a lot of other problems as well and, and things that, you know, that, are, that are not appropriate to talk about in, in, a, in a church service that this has led to, right? And that's why you see so many women dress so immodestly in our society today. Uh, I mean, it, it used to be that, that, that the things that people, that, that the people, the things that people run around in, in Walmart today, you wouldn't even see at the beach, right? Or, you know, uh, it would just be an embarrassment to that lady and, and, and really just people would be shocked by it. Now, people don't even bat an eye because it's so, it's so normal, right? Um, it's, it's led to a lot of those problems and it's led to an upheaval in the structure of the home that we find in the Bible. And that's led to an upheaval in society. Is the man responsible? Yes. The man is responsible. He's responsible for controlling his lust. He's responsible for controlling his eyes. He's responsible for controlling all of those things. But so is the lady, especially the Christian lady. I have a responsibility as a man to keep myself pure, and ladies have a responsibility as a lady to help keep men pure. And, and again, you know, we, we, we looked at those verses there at the beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that the ladies should adorn themselves in modest apparel. Men should not look at a woman with lust. So we all have responsibility in it. Yes, we all do. Um, but the relationship between modesty and lust then is that I have a responsibility before God. I cannot blame somebody else for my, for my sin, but I also need to do the best that I can do to help keep somebody from sinning where I can.
So very short, I know if, if I tried to add it to last week, it, it would have made us go way too long, and so I split it off and did, did, did a separate little thing. But hopefully that's a help to you. And, um, you know, men and women are different. Men and women are built differently um, in, our, in our psychology, in our mindset, in, in the way that we think, right? And obviously I'm not a woman, so I don't know how a woman thinks. Um, and, you know, that's uh, like the age-old old problem. If you, if you know what a woman thought, you know, you'd be a wealthy man if you could, if you could get it figured out. And all the, you know, the, um, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, you know, stereotypes, right, that, that they say about all of those things. But we are different. We are different. And sometimes that's what leads to the problem. Well, what's wrong with me dressing like this? I should be able to dress like this, and you shouldn't have an issue with it. Well, you're not a guy. Right? And the same thing is true on the opposite side of the going, you're not a woman. You don't understand it either, right? So we just have to do the best we can with what we have, and we go by what the Bible tells us. Ladies should be modest. Men should control their lust, right? And that's all we can do. That's, that's all we can do is go by what the Bible says. Easy, simple lesson tonight, but let's pray. We'll sing our song, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for an opportunity we have to open your word. I, I pray that you'd help us to, to rightly divide the word of truth as we, as we ask often, God, that you'd help us to not uh, pull things out of the word of God that it doesn't say, help us to not add things to the word of God that it doesn't say either. I pray that you'd help us to be able to, to discern these things and that the Holy Spirit would, uh, would direct us and guide us and help us in these matters to be as, as close to the word of God as we can, to be as close to the heart of Christ as we can, to be as holy as we can. And God, I pray that you'd be able to use us because of it. And we'll thank you so much for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.